Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready. Reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the U.S. of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra-light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H-U-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. That's HuntReady.com. Welcome back to another Flushing and Dustin podcast. Uh, it's Tyler here, and we got Nick. The guy who thinks he doesn't miss Duran <laughs> had to get that in there. Uh, only, only miss podcasts here and there. No, tonight we have on a, a special guest out of Utah, uh, Jed. He is the owner of Windmill Farm Farms Goldens. Uh, he's been breeding and training golden retrievers since 2005. And as everyone knows, <clears throat> I'm a huge golden fan. So we're super excited to have him on tonight to talk goldens to talk about his kennels talk about training uh so i'm really looking forward to this but jed uh how about you introduce yourself yeah you bet thanks for having me on guys so uh jed packer i've uh, been raising training breeding golden since 2005 and it's uh it's kind of interesting how we fell into this but we really wanted to start out getting a, a family golden and now I have about 14 of them, and we love it, and it's it's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a real journey for us and, and learning a lot along the way. Yeah. How long has it taken you to get to 14 Goldens? Since 2005. <laughs> uh, I had to talk to my wife into it as well, because uh, when we started with this, she said, you can have one dog. So, what, almost 20 years later... Uh, <laughs> We've convinced her that we can have a few more, but really the 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 break in a lot of things for us was uh, our our land. We're using some of the farmland and getting access to uh, the cattails and the rivers and things like that. That really broke it open for us. Gave us a chance to work. I see on your page you got 800 acres that you can uh, take advantage of. It's amazing. That's incredible. It, it is amazing. So the farmland. It uh, borders some Utah Power and Light, some Rocky Mountain Power. So not only do we have the farmland and we work that, and we've got the, the pheasants and game birds and whatnot on that, but uh, the Little Bear River just runs in a horseshoe all around the farmland. And it's, it's great because we can go there, start, and then just work all of this amazing territory. Yeah, man, I haven't having that type of setup would be that would be ideal especially if you're running that many you know have that many dogs that you got to work and do you um so for your kennel do you train so let's say if someone uh wants to purchase one of your pups 
do you have different levels of training that you'll take it to or how does that work? I, right now I am training my own. Okay. So uh, there's, I work with a guy, he's a professional trainer. He actually has one of my dogs and went to master national last year. He's got a five-year-old golden that we that really has done well. And the trainer has done amazing. So we, I, I do all of the basics so, so that we can work off all of the heel and the steadiness and the retrieving and the, the basic obedience and the retrieving land and water and all of the heel work. And so that's, I, I just think the foundation is where I, I really like to, to take them. And then when it comes to anything advanced, if we, if we want to take them into hunt tests or field trials, then I really work with him. And I've been going over uh, at least once a week with him and uh, we work together, we'll throw together, we'll work with them and uh, you know, some of the fetching and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm not trying to be a professional trainer. I really have a lot on my plate with just my dogs, the nutrition, uh, the basics, uh, the breeding, the puppies will, will keep you, you know, really busy. And it's important to me. I breed pedigrees that I want to use. Yep. How many litters do you have? And uh, I keep them. I've been having about two. We'll probably bump that up and, and I'll have at least four, uh, you know, and, uh, and work with them that way. But I, I keep my own. I've got one line that I have my fifth generation puppy in that we're trained she's about seven months old that's cool awesome yeah kind of find what you like out of your breeze and then pick the one that you feel is uh got the best of both worlds and move it on up and then just keep making the dog that you want better essentially yeah yeah and you find lines that really work with you their temperaments their drive and and that i'm I'm, i know you know tyler as a golden lover you get asked a lot of those questions what's the best goal it kind of depends, right, on on what you're looking for, what you need it for. And when I started this, I went to a local guy, and he was a waterfowl guy. And I, I I bought the dog, and she retrieved everything in the backyard. And I'm like, wow. So I grabbed her. We go out to the farm. I start hunting with my brother-in-law, and uh, she just gets it and just loves it. And she's fine birds. And you know when when they keep inviting you back because of your dog, not because of you, but because of your dog, you know you've got something. And that's what really started for us. I feel like that happens all the time to us out here. <laughs> I got land. You guys can come. Bring your dog. Oh, okay. The dog taught us. They taught me. And the way watching her work and, and, and stuff. And I, I'd never seen a golden work. And she lived at 13, and it, it was really, really good. And then I started studying and asking questions and and going out with other people and figuring it out. And you can see that I always tell people there's a difference between a hunting dog and a trial dog or a hunt test dog. And sometimes it's not great, but there's just this natural, innate instinct to want to get in and on the birds. And they just don't leave it. They really want it. And... And I really like those lines. That's what I do. Uh, that's what I enjoy. And we, we, you know, we fiddle around a little bit and have some fun in hunt tests. And it's a lot of fun. But my real passion is developing the dog's natural instinct. When you say that uh, that first dog, uh, how she worked, 
what what was unique about how she worked that you really liked better? Yeah, great question. Hunt close, uh, natural quartering, and then when she caught the scent, you know, the tail goes up, and it just it's just the visual cues that show you I'm on a bird. You better get your gun up and get ready because I'm going to flush this for you and don't miss. And, and because they're seeing them go up, they're going to mark and they're going to drop and really good marking. And I, you can kind of teach some of that and get them used to it. And redundancy is great, but I think some dogs just show it naturally. Yeah. And when they'll mark. And then the wild pheasants, Nick, it, you can wing them and they'll drop and then they they take off. And they'll <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. We've been there. Seen all this. But they're crafty. And, uh, yeah, and then you lose them, and you're like, well, I, I know I folded that one up, right? And you get over there, and it's gone. And she, you know, she would just take off after them and then double back and then run behind us. And you're asking yourself, where, where are you going? And then pretty soon, she'd come wandering in, the bird in the mouth, and you're going, no way. No way did you get that. And it, that was so much fun. Yeah, we've had some, uh, we've had some experiences like with, that. Yeah, yeah. You fall in love with stuff like that. When a good dog works, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. It is. What, what uh, number of golden was that when you had that dog? That was our first one. First so one. So spoiled, right? Yeah. Got you <laughs> hooked. They, they, they always say you only get one dog. That's that, yeah. that's your a dog of a lifetime. So you had it first, huh? Yeah, and I was cool. I'm like, wow, goldens are all like this. This is great. I'm getting more, you know, I'm going to stick with the goldens. And, uh, you know, and we've had some that the great thing about goldens is they're really diverse. They can do dog diving and they can do, you know, uh, your hunt tests and field trials and they can do agility. There's something for everything in a golden or a great family, active family dog. But uh, finding that special hunting dog i found out i was spoiled and i found out it's it's tougher than you think yeah so did you didn't breed that dog then right so then how did you what'd you do after that dog passed away what was your next step i uh i started breeding her and we kept a female and she was great and then we lost her to cancer i started studying more about nutrition and golden health and became more and more acquainted with some of the breed, you know, the risks of the breed. And uh, so I started studying and it seems like the more you know, the less, you know, it, it just like, oh, if you do this and you get these results and- Dr. Google it'll get you right in the mind. You won't know what the hell to think. So yeah, we, we started keeping them and that that's, you know, why I mentioned you get a good line and uh, we do some puppy testing and started trying to develop that a little bit. And, and you just try to mitigate some of your risk and, and, and you kind of learn and see it in the puppies a little early on. It's not an exact science, but we, we can see things early on that we really like. Yeah. What are, what are some of the health things that someone who's going to be, looking into getting a golden that they should be maybe asking the breeder about or researching the line and what are your nutrition tips on top of that that you yeah yeah we'll start with health a little bit and it's really come together when i started 
I was sending blood samples to New York to get some of the genetic testing. Uh, and and it was expensive. And now, Not covered by insurance, now I'm sure. you just have so many really nice options that you can do. There's a really nice panel you check for eyes. And, you know, a lot of those genetic things like ichthyosis and NCL came up a couple of years ago, and they had that. So there's the genetic side. So when you're breeding, you really want to be aware of clear carriers and affecteds. And uh, that's what I try and help people understand. So it's really important to get the genetic side. And then the health side, uh, you've got all of the eye stuff and goldens that you can get. Just, you know, something simple like cataracts and and all of all of that. But then you've got the more serious stuff like NCL and cancer. Uh, epilepsy is a big one. Um, I don't see it here, but uh, some of my friends over across the pond in, uh, in the European state, uh, or sorry, the European countries, uh, you know, epilepsy is a big deal uh, for them. And when they, when I talk to them, or we'll do some Skype calls or WhatsApp and say, I, I've never had epilepsy in, in any of my lives. I just don't see it that much. I'm like, wow, we see a lot. So, um, you know, we, we share some, uh, some good things here and they share some good things there. They don't see a lot of eye stuff like, like we do. So, um, you know, that's why I've got the imports. I want to improve on some of that. And we can talk about that in a minute, but the cancer, uh, the lymphomas, uh, some of those. And it, it, what's great is canine data, Tyler. If, if you can, if people are honest and put their stuff on there so that we can see um, you know, because things pop up and then there's some consistency things too. So we look for some of those things and, uh, and try and work through it. Nice. Yeah, so you, you just mentioned how you uh, have connections or friends in the uh, European countries. What is, so I believe I looked at um, your site and you have, do you have two dogs currently that are from the UK? A male yeah. and a female, maybe? I've got an a, a imported semen. And, you know, if you're on my website, you'll see that I really do like to store frozen semen from great lines. Yep. It, it's such an amazing way to be able to keep that and store that and then use that at a later time. You can't do that with the females, but you can with the males. And, and we've got better techniques of collecting and storing semen and it's really good. I have a good veterinary friend that's a, he's actually an equine veterinarian and he does, he's really helped me understand a lot of this better. And so, so I've imported semen from the UK, worked with great people over there and then imported a dog. And so some of the differences, you know, the, these are all filled goldens and they work them, but they hunt differently. So our dogs here, you know, we, we send them out, they quarter, they work, they, they flush, we shoot, they, they bring it back. And um, over there, as I understand it, they have beaters, you know, they have people go out and get them out and uh, get flush the birds. And then they send off of a heel uh, the dogs to go get them. So they don't do both jobs like we do. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved um, especially the English Goldens look. I feel like they have the closest to the original intent, whereas I've noticed here 
we've bred a lot for speed, you know, a lot for stamina. So they get narrower. The, they get longer, narrower, thinner. We've lost some of the head uh, width that, that they have. And I, I really want to stick with that original intent of a balanced golden. Uh, and and I, I learned this after I bought one back east and brought him in. And he was really tall, really narrow, thin, narrow, long muzzle. And boy, could he run. And he went to Master National. It's not like they're not performing. They're, they're great performance. They've just got a lot of drive, a lot of desire, and they've been bred for that since the 80s. Just bred, bred, bred. And so some of those lines have been bred for that so much that I feel like I wanted to get some of that balance back in it. So still get good working goldens like the English and other European countries use them, but bring maybe a little bit more of that body type and head type balance yeah okay have you noticed have they noticed anything with uh having maybe the longer goldens or even the bigger goldens hip issues or joint issues have those been a concern at all or have you not seen much of that with the larger goldens i i try and stay between the 50 and about 75 pounds and, and even uh, the two that I have, I have two females, uh, the two that I have from the UK, and one's about 65 pounds, one's about 55 pounds. So they're not, they're not big. Uh, the one is a bigger female, but uh, um, I finished her hips and they were excellent. And I, I, did the, uh, I did the English version. It's called BBA. Over here, we do the OFA. And over there, it's a BBA. And... Uh, and I did that and sent the radiographs over there and had him scan and she was excellent. And so uh, I'm not seeing that, but or Nick, you asked a little earlier about nutrition and that's yeah. the last, you know, about four years for me has really been in reading abstracts, white papers, anything from veterinarians that I can read about uh, development. Uh, you know, I, UC Davis had an article a, a while ago about some of that. And so I try and read something every week. And uh, I really, I found an article not too long ago and shared it on my Facebook page about uh, a, uh, they took five uh, beagles and they ran them on a treadmill. And they did that for the first year of their life. And then they studied their elbows and hips. And they were trying to determine if exercise was, uh, you know, how, what role that played, excessive exercise in the development, skeletal and stuff. And it was a really interesting article, but they found that it, it didn't damage things, but it helped develop things. So uh, I read a lot about that, try and apply the nutrition and then get good, appropriate exercise. And, and it's worked really well for us. We've got a lot of excellent hips and good elbows. Can I ask what you feed your dogs? What's yeah, your dog food? I, I use a combination of uh, a 30-20 mix. Uh, so it's higher protein when they're younger. But I also include, uh, I do some raw with that. So I do chicken hearts, chicken livers, uh, beef liver. And we've got a couple of great places, a processing plant here that we use, and we go get some of this stuff at a really good price. 
and uh, we I use cooked eggs, um, a lot of omega three. So I'll use uh, fish oil. I just I get it off of Amazon, uh, buy it out of Alaska, and and bring it down and buy it by the gallon or or more. And so I'll mix some of that stuff in. And then some fresh stuff. I'll dice up carrots and apples and sprinkle in there, and plain yogurt. Uh, I've I've learned a lot recently about the GI tract and yep. you know balancing some of the probiotics and and all of that with dogs and keeping some of that balance. And so I I add things to dry kibble and I found it works pretty well for us. Your dogs probably eat better than you do. They really do, but it, it, it's at a great price, right? It's, uh, yeah. you, you know, you can get a lot of that stuff for about a dollar a pound, maybe a dollar 30 a pound, and then I can just feed it, and uh, it, it's worked well, and, and I like it, so, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah we what? had um, a dog food um, brand on here, The Scoop, on a podcast, and for like dog treats, they would give uh, an apple or a carrot, or that was yeah. their treat. They would actually give treats. Um, so it's interesting to hear uh, that perspective of it. Yeah, yeah. What is, is the? Is there any difference between, like you said, BBA and the OFA compared to what the UK tests for and what the United States tests for? Yeah, there is, and I've seen some differences. Uh, the the BBA and there's an also an Australian one that I've used. Uh, there's some veterinarians that you can send your radiographs to, and they're great. They turn it around quickly, and they'll do elbow and hip examinations. And it's a, a certified board certified orthopedic veterinarian, and and so there there's a standard there. Uh, but sometimes if we're in a crunch and we do a prelim and we want to see, I'll see it. But when I've shipped those off internationally there's a lot more detail. They send you back about three or four pages of analytics on uh, and some criteria. And uh, I don't know it well enough to speak to it, but I've, I've read it and then gone on their website and read what things mean. And they just look for the lateral spacing in the elbows and in the hips, and they do some measurements. I think with the OFA, if I understand correctly, They'll do one uh, orthopedic veterinarian will look at a prelim, and then three will look at a final. So you'll get an assessment. And I always wondered, you know, why internationally they do final uh, hips and elbows at one, and we wait for two years. So we can't get finals until two years, but internationally they'll finish them up and you're done at one. So, you know, it begs the question, is there anything between one and two that changes th- that much? And, and I don't know uh, all of that, but uh, I, I think internationally they're a little more strict. Yeah. yeah I've seen that. So I just surprised that they only, even with like food, it seems like they're a little stricter, you know, human, human food. It's surprised that they release them at one and not two. And we're the ones that are a little more, strict on the two years old yeah it's kind of interesting uh so you've been been in your kennel for um since 2005 it's obviously grown uh, tyler's just tyler's grooming you for his next dog you know that right (laughs) hey there's one reason i brought him on the podcast i need to learn about his dog you need a good hunting dog oh these are the 
the two that I have. It's a picture. I don't know if you can see them. Yeah. Oh, um, she looks a little doughty in that picture, but uh, except for Master, <laughs> they drop their ears. And yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because I was super curious about your dogs and wanted to learn more. But uh, so you've you transitioned to full time at the kennel. Uh, I believe this year, correct? I did. Right. I I finished uh, everything up, and I, you know, I've I've worked at corporate America. I traveled internationally. I was in, uh, and we did environmental monitoring. So I, I went around mainly. I worked in Asia and uh, South America, uh, but I I traveled the world a lot, and uh, we did a lot of environmental monitoring for governments. Um, I spent some time in the Middle East working over there and, you know, I've, I've been out there and I, I did my thing and had a lot of fun and I kind of come home and I just, I just wanted to enjoy. And, and this was really my passion. I always enjoyed it. I was just like you, Tyler. I had a couple dogs and then I went to three and my wife's like, what are you doing? I said, I, I just need another one. I just need <laughs> and I just, I love them. I, I love to see him work and uh, yeah, and then we grew and built the kennel. I built a facility that I can work in during the winter. It gets pretty cold up here. Yeah. And uh, so we, we got the floor heated and got some heating in there and something I could put them on a platform and work with them and, and still enjoy them. And they're, they're here at the house and I've got some things out there and, uh, you know, family helps, and, and it's just, it was a great transition, so I, yeah. I did my thing, and now I'm back, and I'm, I'm doing what I love. There you yeah. go. No, that's all you can ask for. Can't beat that. Yeah. What's, what's the process to get semen or sperm from the yeah. UK and or yeah. a dog from the UK? Well, it was hard internationally, <clears throat> because the not everybody over there really likes what what the U.S. is not not anyone in particular, but the direction the U.S. field golden has gone. And I described you know some of those things to you. In addition, you know they have a different set of problems. I've talked with people from Germany, from Sweden, from the U.K. Uh, you know and, and international and and there's issues there too and their COIs or coefficients of inbreeding are high they have a really small gene pool over there we don't have that problem uh, as much of a problem some of our studs are really used but they're great studs and then you can outcross breed but what some of what our breeders have done is done a lot of line breeding and so they've crept up the COIs, and the result of that um, is some of the cancers they, they get concerned about. When Jackie Mertens, who is great, she knows Goldens, and she brought Holway Barty over here. And he's, the, he's in every field line that we have, uh, all of my lines. I'm sure Tyler has them in his lines, but um, when she brought him over from the UK, uh, he was used a lot, and he did great in the field. So, uh, you know, some of those things we just have to be cognizant of and work around. But uh, um, I think to get, you know, to really answer your question, Nick, you, you need you need to talk to people over there, get, get on a good forum, 
and just ask and then connect with somebody, get a relationship with them and ship it over. And I worked with Sarah. She was awesome. She, I told her what I wanted to do, why I was doing it and what my plan was. And I have a pup from that breeding and she's really good. She, I've been working with her. She's at a junior level already and, and she's, she's doing great. And uh, so she's my half and half. And then I've got a, a uh, you know, an import and, and she's great. I think the thing that I noticed the biggest is they really do have really nice temperaments. Some of ours don't have much of an off switch. Um, they, they really want to go. And a lot of people like Goldens that can switch it, be in the house yep. and relax. And I'm not talking like lab you know, kind of stuff, because they're at the end of the day, they're goldens. But uh, some of the goldens, you know, were just competing against labs, and they were bred, bred, bred since the 80s to kind of compete in that. And and so you see this elevated push and temperament that I think some of the UK and Europeans don't like what we've done with that. Well, we had a, uh, a gentleman on from Illinois who kind of does similar things that you're doing, but he does it with Cocker Spaniels. And his quote, I can remember, if you want to, if you want to fuck up a breed, bring it to the United States. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't like it. Said, right? No, they don't. Yeah. He said to just start inbreeding and all, all sorts of things. So it's, it's funny that you say the same thing about it. Yeah. And they, they don't like that. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I told them exactly what I was doing and, uh, and I'm doing it. Right, I'm bringing it yeah. in. I work with my goldens. I keep next generation, so I know what I'm breeding, and and then and I keep them involved. I, I keep them sending pictures and show them what I'm doing and give them progress reports, and they appreciate that. You know, somebody's it just take it and you go and never hear from somebody again. So I, I've I've got some you know developed some great relationships with people over there, and we'll, we'll talk every week you know, or, or jump on a message every week. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I learn as much from them as they do from us. Yeah. They don't like, the other thing they don't like, they, they don't use uh, force fetch, e-callers, or they do not use the, the at all, I'm at zero. And so. So it's just, it's just, uh, they're encouraging. Yeah, and it's whole, just basically. redundancy. Yep. And, you know, we force fetch everything. And, and I think the, the unique thing about that is, it, I think it takes really good training, you know, because some I, you guys have seen this. You've seen a dog run out on a blind, and maybe they've shot up the the bird pretty bad, so the guts are hanging out, and a, and a dog, unless it's been force fed, to just drop it and say no thanks, and um, yep. and and so they don't like the force fetch aspect of what we do, but I, I what I've tried to do is say if it's done correctly. And my pro trainer that I work with reiterates this. If it's done correctly, the dog's going to come out of there more confident, not less. Yep. But I'm not sure everybody, Nick, has, has done it. You know, so they'll just, they'll just ding, ding, ding until they get the results. And, and uh, I think a really good trainer, uh, that dog will come out with a lot of confidence. Yeah, you know, I had I have a black lab, and he's been force fetched by a pro professional as well, and that made all the difference in the world with him. Yeah, like I did it correct with him, and he's he's a very good retriever. Makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah, it does. And then just to have him know, like, um, 
you know, it also teaches them to bring the bird back to you. You know, they might know here and stuff, but they get a little possessive of that bird at times. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like once you force fetch them, they're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go to you now. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've noticed with it. Um, I, I'm sure everybody has different experiences. Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Meat makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. Yeah, there's there's a balance there. And they, there's some that ask me questions about it. And, and I, I try and educate there. But it, I think that's what they least like about us. And, you know, take on a dog and, and you know, how is it going to be temperament-wise? Because... I, I've noticed a lot of dogs over there and a lot more here, but they, they live right in the house and with them. They're constantly, they, their temperaments are really, really important for them. Yep. Uh, is your, is it imported one toffee? Yeah. How do you say her actual name? Uh, Salvia Dorado. Uh, it's, it's Italian. So her, her dad is uh, comes out of a kennel in Italy, and he's over there. The equivalent of field trial championship is called the IGL, and her father has been there twice, and he was guns choice the first year, youngest ever. Second year, he finished top five, and uh, uh, I, he's done that the last two years, so I got her as a pup before dad had really become so famous. And uh, he has done remarkable. So he's doing all this in labs. Go, it's open. It's an open. Yeah. So it's any dog. So it's uh, Golden's and Labs, and he is killing it over there. And his owner trainer Nathan uh, was a lab guy like you, Nick. And yeah. we converted him, and uh, he loves the dog. And he's done really well with him. And he lives in the UK, and it's kind of fun to watch and see a Golden do that well. It's really proof that there can be a balance if good training and and redundancy can produce this results without, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of e-collar work and force fetch work. It's kind of a testament that if you can work with the dog naturally and let him learn and grow in confidence, and, and then if you need to work on a couple of problems, you, you've got that option. Yep. But uh, I think that's what I've taken away from my UK and, and, and European friends is that there is a real balance that if you will be patient with the dog and work, and sometimes it's just a factory, right? Yep. We've we got to get them to junior by six, eight months and a senior by a year or 18. And by two years, he's working on his master. You know, you hear that a lot when you're out rubbing shoulders with guys and, and, uh, I appreciate all of that. I'm not bagging on. It. I appreciate it. These guys really work hard and do some awesome things. I just, I just wonder if we work with the dog naturally a little bit and bring them along at their speed. Uh, that if we wouldn't see more success and less, you know, washouts, if you will. 
yeah. Have you hunted with, um, I mean, I know your first dog you said was great and not from any sort of breeder. Have you hunted with goldens that haven't been from per se a line or a breed like bloodlines and then hunted with like yours now bloodlines and can you tell a huge difference between that that's one question that tyler and i always ask because our our dogs aren't from specific bloodlines per se we you know we just i i have i picked up a um there was a pandemic dog that we got back picked up and looked like she had a little more show in her and uh and we brought her in and i uh she wouldn't go in the water she wouldn't retrieve anything and, and this is why I say if you're patient, uh, you know, for six months, it kind of worked with, she wouldn't even go in the water. She wouldn't, she was really nervous around man, me. And I just worked with her for six months. And last year, last summer, she dove in the water and she, she was retrieving. I threw a tennis ball out there. She's bringing it back, but there's not, she's done all the things you'd expect the retriever to do. Right. Yep. Uh, and, but there, it, there's, it's not in her, uh, you know, it's just not in her. And so absolutely, Nick, um, I think some of these lines have been bred long enough that you're just getting phenomenal results. And we get water, they're getting watered down. Some of those breeds are too, right? They're, yeah. just, they're just breeding yeah. to be couch potatoes basically. Yeah. And, and we have the luxury of being able to have a lot of different, really, really nice dogs and you know breeding these lines and still keeping the the coefficients low some of the stuff i'm reading health-wise is when the coefficients creep up you're, you're not just getting genes and genomes of all the good stuff you know you can be matching some of the bad stuff and so if you can breed really good really productive lines that aren't related you're still going to get those attributes, but maybe knock down some of the, the health stuff that you kind yep. of, so. yeah. yeah, it is amazing. Like, um, like I, I think our dogs are really good, but we see like, uh, Southern Oak Kennels is a, a big lab breeder. I'm sure you've heard of them. You watch their dogs on your line and you know, everything on video you think could be glorified and they're just cutting out the bad points, but son of a gun, their, dog, their dogs look good. And I'm like, God, I wonder like, they got that much more fire than my dogs. I feel like my dog's pretty driven, but I mean, it's just crazy to, to see it's like that line, right? Yeah, it's the instinct. I sold a dog. Uh, we've got a really nice female. It's a third generation. I sold a litter last about a year ago. And a guy out of Oregon said, I got to have a good hunting dog. So he, he came in, you know, looked at stuff and okay, I'll try one. And he's just been nothing but amazed. Uh, he's had that dog. He's just blowing his friends away because he's he just barely turned a year. He hunted with him for six months to a year, and that dog did everything he asked and more. And he kept texting. He's like, "This is amazing. Look at this picture. This is amazing. Look at this picture." But you know that that's what the titles are great. We love them, and they show accomplishment. There's no doubt. But there's the another side of it that I think matters, but doesn't matter to everybody. And that's just the instinct, the innate yep. desire to work with you, not for you. Yep. Because you, know, you can force a dog to work for you, but a dog that wants to work with you, if you get a dog like that, that understands and trusts you and vice versa, uh, you've got something pretty special. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want a wee dog, not a me dog. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah, I agree. Have you got to have you been able to hunt a season with toffee yet? No. No, I haven't. She's I'll be honest, I've kind of reserved her. I spent so much money getting her over here. Um that I'm really careful with her. Yeah. Um, and uh um, you know, I've got some great plans for her because I want to, you know, her dad's done so well. Her temperament is, is really, really good. Uh, you know, we, we would say over here, it's a softer temperament. She's very people oriented, loves kids, all of that. But then I get her out in the field and, and she works, she hunts, she works, she does all of that. But Tyler, if I am so careful with her, I, um, I don't. I don't push her too much. I'm I'm not going to send her off to get titled things like that. Yeah. Um, I I don't hardly let her out of my sight. My daughter has her in place with her. She lives around the block from us, and they they love her. But uh, so she gets a lot of socialization. Is now, there a block? Is there really a block on 800 acres? Like. No, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's 800 acres of kind of a horseshoe. Shape. Yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, and we've got the four wheelers out there, and we go to a location. I can nice. come off a bank. I can do water work on a day. I can do land work on a day, and then there's pheasants. So this morning out there, I drove by and I did a double take, but there were, I think there were about 70 uh, wild turkeys out there. I hadn't seen that, and they're just all over the place. And I get up in the morning; it starts early. And all you hear is crowing pheasants. So every day with me, they're in the tuis, they're in the water, and they're flushing something. There's ducks galore. You know, we have hundreds of ducks on the ponds, but the dogs get so much exposure to what they'll do. The only difference is I have a gun on the opening day, and, and, and so they get a lot of experience. We do... We are really careful in some areas when they're, you know, they're laying and all of that. We try and be really respectful of that. So, but the the dogs are always on a scent. Oh, every day they're scenting something. (laughs) What a, what size is Toffee? What size? Yeah. How much she weigh? 65 pounds. She's longer in the back. She's a beautiful head, really tight coat, tight finish, not a lot of feathering, um, and so and she's got a nice broad shoulder, a really nice neck, broad shoulder. Her top line is beautiful. And, and she's all field dog. So she kind of looks like she has some, um, maybe some show breeding, but she doesn't. She's got, and she comes out of, there's a, there's a kennel there called Kesgold in the UK that, uh, that I really like. And, uh, and they've done a good job. They've done some great breeding. And you just you see it in it. But she's she's pretty special yeah. just because of her genetics. And her, I bought her out of uh, Wales. And Landloid was the name of the, um, the breeder over there. And, and she's phenomenal. She really does her homework. And when I started talking to her on WhatsApp, we became immediate friends. And we had the same passions. They, they have this problem. Of, they don't have anything fresh, new over there. And so, yeah. um, so you know, they've, we've just really talked a lot about all of it. But she's, yeah, she's just turned two. We, I actually finished up her uh, health certs and we've uh, 
we, we just did it today. I had the vet come over. She's got a mobile clinic and we took the scans of hips yes. and elbows. Uh, I'll send those in. So, Yeah, she's beautiful. How long does it take for those to get back? When you've done uh, usually a couple of weeks we'll know everything but i did her at one and uh so uh, everything's clean so uh, you know honestly tyler I, i'm just kind of doing the ofa to kind of just double check but i mean yeah. i'm really comfortable with the results that we got at one nice. when she turned one and uh so you know there's a 99 percent chance we're going to proceed because i, I i'm feeling like we did our our due diligence or homework. Yeah. You'll have to, if you think about it or have time, you'll have to send me some videos of her when you're training okay. just to see how she works. Cause yeah. Do you know when, if things come back, when you'll be potentially moving oh, forward? Oh God, here we go. <laughs> Break out. Hey, hey guys, I told you. To Tyler, I... If, you're going to, if you're going to Tyler's wedding, just he's a, he's a hunt plus dog. <laughs> I've got some semen that I want to use with her from copper out of a Choctaw kennel, a Midwest kennel, and he's he's killed it. I've got her listed on there as the plans, but I think that could be a special litter. Keep me in the loop. Might have to be getting a third dog, yeah. depending when it is. <laughs> see how we'll see when that is. I just like the looks of her, just from the like I said, the picture they have on the on your website at windmillfarmsgoldens.com. Yeah. She's a beautiful looking dog. Uh, so what do you, so now obviously your work, you're full-time in the kennel. What's a, a day kind of look like with your goldens? Do you have separate training plans depending on their levels? How do you go about that? Yeah. I, I try and give everybody a refresh and some one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and uh, so we get up in the morning, it's early, usually before dawn, and everybody gets uh, a walk. We're out about an hour and a half. So everybody gets out, there's free time. And then we come back and if it's in the winter, kind of cold, I'll grab a little breakfast and let it warm up. And then I'll do the indoor or the outdoor, just the basic obedience. There's usually about eight or 10 things I, I work on. So. Every, every dog gets one on one time. And one thing that I've really tried to do more is sit down with the dog, let its head get in my chest and just rub it. Just yeah. let them, you know, they get time here and we've got some grandkids that play with them and they get all of that interaction. But I have found when you know, I develop that trust with them, it's uh, they train better. Yep. And uh, so, you know, I have a few dogs but one-on-one -on -one time is important for us. And I'll bring them home. They'll spend time here. They'll spend time out there. And then, uh, and then we do it all over again in the afternoon. They get, uh, they get an hour and a half out. And it's really been the pack mentality is really amazing. It's something that I, because I, I walk them in a pack. And I use whistle commands to tell them what I want to do. If they're out too far, they're doing something. And then I use one-on-one -on -one time to reinforce the things I want down there. And I don't hunt with a big pack. I take one or two dogs. Yeah, I can't hunt like that. But it's really been fun and interesting because I'll whistle, come back. You know, I expect the same obedience, you know, at playtime as we do at one-on-one -on -one time. Yeah, uh, sure. In the summer, it starts early. You know, we're up 
crack of dawn and I train before it gets too hot. Yeah. And then, um, and then in the afternoon, it's water time. We have fun water yep. time. They can just get out and play and I'll throw bumpers and do things like that. I, I lost a dog to heat exhaustion two years ago. I, I, I messed up and uh, it was a hundred degree day and I feel sick about it, but I'm, I'm really, really careful. Um, you know, he, they, some, like you said, Nick, sometimes they don't want to quit because you don't let them quit or allow yep. it. And, and he stacked back and we lost him. Uh, he was a four-year-old male. He had a senior title on him. We'd worked hard with him and he was great. Everybody loved him. And, uh, I just, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the signs or shut it down quick enough. And, and I, I feel awful about it, um. So we're careful in the summer from about yeah. noon on. We're really careful. Yeah, I had a, uh, a uh, my last black lab before diesel. I hunted him early in a, on a pheasant farm, and he just uh, just kind of warming up, you know, after before season. And he hunted, he hunted. He was like twelve, but ever since then, I think I overheated him, and he just he couldn't run, he couldn't stand outside. He was just, I think I gave him heat exhaustion of some sorts but he didn't die till three years later but he was changed after that hunt different he, dog yeah. yeah he just was he was yeah. completely different and he was older so i mean i should have you know i was younger so it was like oh he seems fine he's still hunting but yeah no are your are the the dogs that you have that you're working um you said that you use whistle training are you also using collars on them or are you just mainly whistle so I don't, uh, I do all the basics without collars and then Dallin takes it from there and he'll, he'll take and do the reinforcement work for me. He's just good at it. And I like yeah. his technique and, um, uh, you know, I, he's, he's learned under some good pros and I, I'm just pleased to work with him. So I get him to a level and say, here, will you help finish yeah. me? And I'll go over and work with him hand in hand but I just uh yeah I, I like how he does it and you know I can take the dog over and bring it back or I can leave it for a while and and you know we just live close and we've got good options there so nice. um, yeah it that that works well for me because I don't want to go through all that other stuff and and you know he just I think when they're not your dogs you're more patient you know, sometimes you, you're like, oh, I want this dog to do this. And yeah. it's easy to get impatient. I think the effectiveness of being a good owner and trainer is just your patient level. But, a, uh, you know, a trainer, you can take it to him and he's, gonna, he's going to just take it and uh, he's patient with him because he, his agenda isn't hurry, hurry, hurry. It's just let's take it at this dog's pace. Yeah. As a... <clears throat> As a breeder, do you have, if someone contacts you for a dog, do you have certain requirements that that person has to, has to meet? Or do you kind of tell them, hey, this will be, we don't have any, you know, breedings coming up in this, maybe down the road. How did, how do you go about that? Yeah, I've got a little puppy form that's really helpful to me. So the people kind of check the box on what their plans are. Once I know that, then I can say, okay, here's a litter that I think you might be interested in. 
And, uh, and that's been really helpful. I added that a, a year or two ago. The pandemic awesome. kind of threw everybody off too, because the first calls I'd get is, do you have any red dogs? And do you offer breeding rights? And, you know, it just, so when I get asked those questions, color is, you know, there, there's some misconceptions out there about color that dark goldens are uh, better hunters than light ones. And, and, you know, there's just no genetic proof of that. It, it's, That's it's like, color. I've heard, I've heard that, uh, yeah. um, what is it? Black and yellow labs are smarter than chocolates. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's just the you know golden's range in the color spectrum so that you know that that's one of the things i try and educate people uh, it's about the breeding dialer which is what you brought up or, or nick before yep is it's about the breeding if you're getting good genetics in there you're going to be happy and i have you know everything from medium a little lighter all the way to dark yep. and it's just color so i try and educate on that but it's a fad you know, dark is a fad. And I really, that, that's like, you know, I ask questions, does health matter to you? Does breeding matter to you? No, I just want a red one. And then I, I told people, I'm probably not the breeder for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and that's okay. You know, they, they can work through it and, and educate themselves. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I try and steer them toward that, and then I try and, and get them into the right litter. I've never had someone call and say, this dog doesn't work hard enough. But I have had people call and say, this dog has more energy than I thought it would. And, you know, over the years, I've, uh, I've just tried to get the right litter into the right hands. And that's what a good breeder, I think, does. They do all that work, and you ask about the day, Tyler, then there's all of the emails, the telephone calls, yeah. the Instagram, the Facebook, the pictures, the podcasts, the podcasts and, and, you know, and it, it's, it's full time. Yeah. It, it, it takes, uh, I work longer days now than I did when I, <laughs> when I had my regular job. So, but I love it. And uh, so there's all of that and answering for the most part, people are great. And and sometimes I just say, you know, I don't think I have the right golden for you. Well, what does that mean? It just means that with your usage and our breeding, you may not be happy with that. And yep. uh, they just think a golden's a golden. And I think, Nick, you asked earlier, they're just, they're not. There are some distinct differences. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, do you have... So do you breed, is your breeding mainly just for uh, hunting or working lines? Mainly. So, mainly. Yeah, I've got a guy running one, uh, Doc Diving, he's in Wisconsin, and they're doing really great. Okay. And they're looking for a particular build and body style. So that longer, almost that greyhound look, it's exactly what he wants. And that I had a little like that. Yeah. And so it's perfect. And that's why I can place that with confidence. And she's doing really, really well. Yes. So, uh, you know, a lot of the dogs I have for hunting are 50 pounds, really shorter, coupled, and nimble, fast, quick. And they, they make awesome hunting dogs because when they're on the scent, you know, they can't, they're not, 
they don't get, you know, the, the eluded as, as they just nose down, stay with it, hunt, hunt, hunt and work. And so I've got some of each and I, I, I have that on purpose. It, you know, when somebody calls and say, I'm looking for this, do you have something? Chances are I, I might have that. Yeah. Huh. Do you do most of your goldens, <clears throat> you were just talking about the hunting when they get on a scent or do they sp- do they speed up? Do they come super quick? Oh, yeah. yeah. The body language is the telltale sign. It, and uh, and then I encourage that behavior. So when they're on it, I start a particular whistle. It's some really quick whistles. I just, I do it with my mouth. And I have, you know, another whistle. But I do it with my mouth and I'll just really quick whistle. And that just encourages that behavior. And that's the advantage of being out on that property every day. Because if they flush something, I'm like, I do really quick whistles and everybody, they perk up and they say, he's excited about something. He likes it. Yeah. What am I supposed to learn from this? Nice. Do you, uh, what's your, and then, <clears throat> so when puppies are born, what's kind of your process? Do you, I guess, how long do you, do you send them home at six weeks or eight weeks and then usually between seven and eight weeks seven and eight uh we, you know there's a lot of talk about early, early neurological stimulation ens and and when we we do some of that and there's some early scenting things where people put just different scents and see the reaction um it, you know i i is it good is there some is there some science to it yeah probably but I've, I've had dogs that haven't had any early stimulation. You know, I, I buy dogs and keep my own bull. And I, I don't know that I see a ton of difference. I, the difference is a lot of times in the pedigree. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a believer, all that's good. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. It's, it's great. And I'm learning from other people. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, when I pick a puppy... I, I usually look at the pedigree first. I'll start with the pedigree and look at it and say, okay, I think that's something I can work with or want to work with. And then, and then the other stuff I think just kind of helps uh, choose the right puppy in that letter. Cause you get a, you get a spectrum, you get some alphas and you get some more medium tempered ones in every litter. It never fails. Yeah. And you're supposed to, know all this by seven weeks that's that's hard even with a lot of experience you see some things but i you know i've had a sixth pick last male go to master national and a first pick you know they maybe it's the training i i don't know you can only do so much as a breeder yeah. so much of it is breeding or i'm sorry training and how do you train and develop and I mean, you're going to have that dog two years and a lifetime. And I had it for seven weeks. So, you yeah. know, really try and help people and educate them on how to bring them, bring them up and bring them along. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Well, Jed, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, we like to keep so them much. about an hour long. So that way it yeah. doesn't drag on, but that was a lot of great information. Like I said, I'll be in contact with you. Uh, they got my eyes on a couple of them so please do yeah um, but we'll always talk well down. i don't know if you're gonna approve him you gotta look at his his accuracy <laughs> on his shots your dog the dog he saw might not get any birds <laughs> <laughs> i go with i go with guys that hit the birds so i don't have to worry about hitting them oh. 
Nick, if we can uh, convert you down the road, we'd love to have you on board. Oh, y'all darn it. <laughs> oh, I'll keep you in mind. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Yep. Well, Jed, we appreciate it. Uh, again, everybody check out Windmill Farms Goldens uh, online, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we'll be in contact. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Jed. Have a great night. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks.